morning, everyone. We're going to go to God's Word now and look at a variety of verses as we conclude our series today on how can I be sure. As you are preparing to hopefully take some notes, contemplate what God would speak to us today, let me share with you about April 30th, just a couple of weeks away. As we come off of Easter, we had great crowds last week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting people. It's an exciting day. But we want to continue to press forward and invite people to be here each and every week. And the next great opportunity for that, of course, every Sunday is a great opportunity, but April 30th, uh, we're going to have with us Dr. Amir Kanner. He's the president of Truett McConnell University, where I work. Uh, but Dr. Kanner, if you haven't heard him before, is a powerful, powerful preacher of God's Word. He will be very uh, impactful upon your life. It'll be a great time to invite your lost friends and neighbors and get people here on April 30th. So please make note of that. But today, we conclude our series on How Can I Be Sure? And we've been asking very difficult questions of how can we be sure about the existence of God? How can we know that the Bible's true and Jesus is the only way? Today I want to ask a very, very important question that is really fitting for our audience this morning because for many of us, we believe God exists, we believe the Bible to be true. Now those evidences help undergird our faith, help us to have a, a confidence in our faith. But what we want to talk about today is this question. How can I be sure that I'm truly saved? And I suspect that in our crowd like this, that there are a lot of people who wrestle with whether or not they are truly a Christian. You're not sure if you really meant it back when you got saved, or you're not sure if maybe if you lost your salvation, or those kind of things that we might struggle with. And often when we have that struggle, we don't share it with anyone else. As a pastor for a couple of decades, uh, I've had a lot of people come to me and they've been holding on to that for years and years. They haven't told their family, they haven't told any of their friends, but all through the years they've been struggling with that issue. Am I truly a Christian? If I died right now, do I know with 100% certainty that I would go to heaven? And it's normal to have those kind of doubts. Now, we have faith in God. We have faith in Jesus Christ. Now we've been talking about evidences that make our faith reasonable, but it's still faith, isn't it? It's not blind faith, but it is hope, it is belief, it is trust. So along the way, there come those ups and downs of whether or not maybe we're truly saved. We have doubt that enters in. And the devil likes to take that doubt and use it in your life to undermine your faith, to diminish your faith, to destroy your faith even. And I think today, this will help some people. If you'll listen carefully, take some notes, go back and reflect on what we're talking about, and hopefully... My goal, my prayer, my aim today is that you would settle this issue in your heart and mind and make certain today when you leave, you know with absolute certainty that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because again, it's a difficult journey when you haven't. I had a guy years back in church who, uh, he would come and get real excited about the Lord and he would get saved, then he would drift away and six months later, he'd come back and he'd get saved. And this pattern continued over and over. And he's probably been saved about 10 different times. And he would do this at different churches. And he's been baptized probably six or seven times in different churches. Because every time he said, man, it's for real this time. I mean it this time. I really got saved. Those other times, not really. But this time, I mean it. And then that same pattern continues over and over and over. Listen, it is not God's will for your life to wonder whether or not you are saved. The Lord wants you to find that your salvation is secure. 
that your salvation, when it is real and genuine in your life, is certain. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, we're going to start there. Listen to what the Bible says. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, the epistle of 1 John is so that you may know, not wonder, hope so, maybe so, I think so, but to know that you have eternal life. You can know today with certainty right now that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And I believe there are some people in this room who need to take that on and believe it in your life and in your heart. To find security in your salvation and leave today with confidence that you are indeed a child of God. It is so, so very important. Why is that? You need to know, number one, if you're taking notes, my doubt destroys my faith. My doubt destroys my faith. I've discovered that if you doubt your salvation, it will affect your faith and hinder and hurt your faith in at least two specific ways. Now, there are probably many others we can name, but at least two ways where doubt is destructive to faith. Number one, it kills your joy. It will kill your joy. Being a Christian should be a joy-filled experience. Doesn't mean the problems go away, doesn't mean that everything goes well for you, but deep down because of what Christ did in your life, transforming you from death to life, making you a new creation, God taking up residence in your heart, you're born again, that gives unending joy, right? I mean, that's something to be excited about even when times are difficult. You know that you belong to God and that you are born again. And that makes the Christian glad. But when you're not sure about uh, your faith, you're not sure if you're a Christian, you lose that joy and that peace in your soul. It's actually tormenting. There's no peace to be found. There's no joy to be experienced because you don't even know if you're really changed and that you have that new life. And hard times come and you have no assurance that God is present to help you. No confidence that in the end, everything's going to be okay. And when you're not certain that Jesus is Lord of your life, you're worried about the day you die, you're worried about your eternal destination, and it will sap the joy out of your life. It is an anchor that weighs you down. And when you get free of that, when you leave today with certainty that you are saved, joy can come in your life as you can be released from that incredible and overwhelming burden. Am I truly a Christian? Not only will it kill your joy, I also want to point out, it will hinder your service. D.L. Moody, the famed evangelist of a century ago, he said it this way, I've never seen a Christian who doubted their salvation who was worth anything in the service of Christ. Now, was Moody trying to be insulting to those who struggle? Trying to pile on when you're already wondering whether or not you're a Christian? No, the issue is that service for Christ becomes a way of trying to gain assurance. Let me go teach a class. Let me volunteer. Let me pass out bulletins. Let me sing on stage. Let me go out and greet people in the parking lot. I'll do a bunch of things because maybe if I do enough stuff, it'll show that I'm actually a Christian. You're not doing these things out of a heart that's driven out of joy, out of confidence of faith, that it's the fruit of that, but instead you're trying to reinforce that, no, I must be a Christian. Look at all the good stuff that I do. Or you won't serve the Lord at all. 
And isn't that true for some of you right now who question whether or not you're saved? You're so paralyzed by that doubt, you're not doing anything for God's kingdom. Because you don't even know if you're saved. Who are you to go teach a class? Who are you to volunteer? You're so busy working through that struggle, so burdened by that struggle, you never get to the point of serving God faithfully. The story about the Golden Gate Bridge when it was being constructed. In the first phase of the bridge, as it was high above the water, the workers were on the bridge constructing it, uh, putting together all those giant steel beams, and over time, people would slip, people would misstep, they would go falling down to their death in that, that terrible, uh, cold, tumultuous water, and they would drown and die. And after some couple of dozen people died, the construction company took a safety net and placed it under the bridge and extended out beyond where the workers were constructing the bridge. And as they went into that second phase of the bridge, with that safety net in place, there were about nine workers that fell and were caught by the net and survived. So mission accomplished. They saved the, the lives of these workers. But what they didn't realize would happen, what transpired is not only did it save the lives of those workers who slipped and fell, but also they found about a 25% increase in productivity because people can work with confidence. Now translate that to the spiritual realm and that's what happens when you're sure about your faith. You can be busy doing the work God's called you to when you're set free from that burden of confusion about whether or not you're truly a Christian. You see, your doubt is destroying so much in your life. It's interrupting so much in your faith. It's robbing you of your joy. It's hindering your work for God's kingdom. So we need to get some help from Scripture in the struggle. That's you today, and you're questioning, am I truly a Christian? How do we answer the question? Well, to help us with the struggle, we need to understand, number two, my salvation is in Christ alone. When we worry over our salvation, we're missing this truth. Salvation is in Christ alone. If you take no other note today, if you capture nothing else from what we're talking about, capture that. Salvation is in Christ alone. In other words, salvation, it begins in Jesus, it ends in Jesus. We didn't do anything to secure our salvation, and we can't do anything to sustain it, and we certainly can't do anything to lose it. It's in Jesus Christ alone. You see, it's based on several things. Number one, as we think about our salvation being in Christ alone, it's based on his provision. The Christian who doubts his or her salvation is actually doubting the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is not enough. I got a friend from my last church where I pastored. He was in seminary in North Carolina, and he attended a megachurch. And being a seminary student, young, not much of a job, studying, paying for tuition, all that, he didn't have much money. So when the offering went past, he took out his wallet, he opened it up, and there was nothing in his wallet. So he gave what he had, and the next Sunday, the pastor stood up and said, hey, you know you're pastoring a seminary uh, church when people give their, in the offering and he held up a $5 Sonic gift card. That was what my friend gave in that mega church offering. I mean, that was nothing, right? Sometimes we think of it 
when it comes to our faith and assurance of salvation that somehow Jesus is offering was like a sonic gift card. It's just, it's not sufficient. It's not enough. But Jesus is no cheap offering. He is no insufficient sacrifice. The death of Jesus on the cross for your sins was completely sufficient for your salvation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one offering, that is Jesus dying for you on the cross, by that one offering, he has perfected, made you whole, saved, complete, eternally secure, eternally because perfected how long? Forever, those who are sanctified. You are not only born again, but you are born again for all eternity forever. Now often our sins make us question whether or not our salvation experience was genuine. I did this, I did that, back in my past. Marty, you don't understand the sin I committed. Listen, his one sacrifice was sufficient to conquer all sin. Every sin in your life. And your works, the things you do in your life, your behaviors, your thoughts, the patterns of the things you do, whether they are good or bad, have no bearing on your salvation. Zero. Zilch. But Marty, again, you don't know what I did. Doesn't matter. Marty, I, I, I went to church a lot, or I didn't go to church a lot. I, I did good things. I did bad things. None of that is taken into account with the issue of your salvation. They have no bearing on your salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you probably know it well, for you are saved how? By going to church, by being baptized, by doing good things instead of bad things. No, you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, the things you do good or bad, so that no one can boast. You're not saved because you can say, look at what I did. Marty, I know I'm going to heaven because I got baptized when I was a kid, or daddy was a deacon, granddaddy was a preacher. I volunteer, I'm part of the civic clubs, I'm an influential person in the community, I'm a good mom, a good dad, so I must be someone God would let in to heaven. It's not based on who you are, good or bad. So when you sin, yes, you're convicted, discipline comes in your life, but salvation remains secure because his death on the cross made us perfect. And again, how long has it made us perfect? Forever. Now, those doubts do creep in because of sinful living. We got a text on Easter from my daughter, and she informed us that our Mastiff, I showed our dog Bailey her picture some time ago, our Mastiff uh, was walking through the yard, I know this is horrible, with a little baby bunny dead in her mouth on Easter. Now, they say all dogs go to heaven, but if you kill the Easter bunny on Easter, I don't think you go there. I don't think that happens. Now, sometimes we're like that when we look at our lives. But look what I did. I must not be a Christian. I must not be going to heaven. After all I have done, how can I be saved? Our sin makes us question if we lost our salvation. But Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, But to the one who does not work, who does not try to achieve salvation in their own power, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, which is all of us because we're ungodly people by nature. Not some are more ungodly and 
less ungodly. We are dead in sin and trespasses. We are evil people, corrupt, sinful-minded, sinful flesh. So justifying the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. My righteousness is not by good works. It's credited to me because of faith in Christ. Christ died for my transgressions. My belief in him is what brings righteousness in my life, not trying to outweigh the bad with my good. Verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. Say, Marty, well, are you just giving us a license? I mean, if sin and good works has nothing to do with salvation, man, we can go have some fun this weekend. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter because I'm saved either way. Well, there's a flaw in that thinking. Because what happens when you are saved? You're renewed. You're transformed. Out of the overflow of that joy in your heart, you want to live to please God. Do you always do that? Of course not. But you don't want to pursue sin. Instead, you want to pursue righteousness. You may not achieve it fully, but you want to live out the new life that God has given to you. But the point being this, your salvation has never been based on your works, whether good or bad. It is your belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So as you're doubting your salvation today, I want you to reflect on his provision that Jesus Christ made provision on the cross for you to be saved. But our eternal security is also based, number two, on his promise. Now we've already read in scripture the Lord has promised his children their salvation is secure. But listen to Romans chapter, five, uh, chapter 8, verse 35 and following. Listen to this. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, things present, things to come, nor powers, height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch the 17 things that cannot separate you from Christ's great love and salvation in your life? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? What will take our salvation away? Affliction, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, death, life, angels, rulers, the present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nothing in all of creation. Paul makes that case for your eternal security. In Christ, there's nothing that can take you away from the love of Jesus in your life. John chapter 6, verse 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. So when you're lying in bed at night, everything's dark, uh, proverbially, uh, in nature, everything at night, you're just there with your thoughts and you're, you're worried and you're overwhelmed and you're questioning your salvation. Know that no one can take you away from God. Everyone given to him will never be cast out. 1 Peter chapter 1, blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us 
new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. In other words, you've been given salvation that's going to come to the fullness of salvation in eternity that's what? Imperishable. It doesn't rot away when you sin. It doesn't vanish when you have doubts. It doesn't dissipate just because you don't feel good that day. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. And there's nothing you're doing to keep your salvation intact. You're not working hard enough, coming to church enough. You're not doing anything to make your salvation secure because you're not keeping it. You're not sustaining it. It was provided by Christ. It is assured by his promise. And as 1 Peter 1 says, it is kept in heaven for you. Not on earth. Not dependent upon circumstances. Not relying upon your confidence and your mindset about your salvation. But kept in heaven. The reason many people wrestle with doubts is because they are awaiting this feeling on earth that somehow they are generating enough energy, passion, excitement for their salvation. And you're doubting your salvation today because you feel like you're not doing something that makes you feel saved. I tell you today, if you're basing whether or not you're saved on how you feel, you're making a terrible mistake. I can assure you, and I'm sure you're with me, there are a lot of days I don't feel saved, okay? Uh, this evening when I get home, I slept terrible last night. I'm going to get home, and I'm going to be grumpy. I'm not going to feel saved. Cindy's going to say I'm not acting very saved. And I'll tell you this, tomorrow's Monday. i got to go to work. It's going to be worse tomorrow, so everybody better get out of my way, okay? But you know that, that kind of experience, right? You have good days, you have bad days, you have times you're on fire for God, times you're in despair, you're discouraged. Feelings go up and down, don't they? And if you're riding that wave of trying to feel something in your faith, you just want all the mushy-gushy stuff, and let's, let's sing it louder and longer, let's, let's have the preacher scream more, I just need to feel something so I can feel saved. Man, that's a train wreck for your faith and your eternal security. I mean, that's great when those feelings come. But if you're riding that roller coaster trying to feel saved or not, man, you're going to be on a bumpy ride. I had a professor in college, he explained it this way. He said, think of it like a train, like the locomotive and the carts behind it. When you start thinking about your salvation, you don't base on feelings. The first thing you need to base it on is the fact of your salvation. That's like the locomotive engine at the front, okay? It's the most important thing is the fact of salvation, the second thing in line is the faith we have in our salvation. Then the caboose is the feeling. So we know from the Bible, factually, we are saved. The promises of God. We have faith that we are saved. And then we have placed our faith in salvation. And we have the feeling that comes along that varies with circumstances in life. So we can find assurance in that God has made provision for our salvation. He has promised our salvation and one more, we base it on his power. Let me ask you this. What is so strong that could take away your salvation? Your sin can't do it. No other person can do it. Say, so, well, maybe the devil would do it. The devil can't even take away your salvation. Don't you think if the devil could take away your salvation, he would? I mean, if he had the power to do that, wouldn't he certainly make that his immediate priority? Listen, if the devil, if you believe that you're saved because the devil 
could take it away, but he hasn't taken away. Think about your theology. You're now saved by the grace of the devil in your life. That makes no sense whatsoever. Nothing has the power to take your salvation from you. Listen to John chapter 10 and this double grip of salvation upon your life. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they never perish. Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let me illustrate it this way. In the Old Testament, there are a lot of stories we read that really provide for us a picture of salvation to come in Christ. And one of those is the ark that Noah built. When Noah constructed the ark, knowing that God's judgment was coming, he was preaching the people of the land that they should come to the ark, did Noah like attach some wooden pegs all over the outside and say, hey, judgment's coming, so what you need to do, hold on to these pegs, and boy, you better hold on for dear, dear life because things are about to get rough, and if you can hold on long enough, you're going to make it to the end, and you're going to be saved. No. What did Noah preach? Get inside the ark. The floods are coming. Judgment is on the way. You'll be safe and secure inside the ark. Safety, security, and salvation were only found inside the ark as God shut the door. Now, I'm sure in all the waves and the rain and the storm, Noah probably stumbled around in that ark, but he never fell out, did he? Because your salvation is not dependent upon you holding on to God, but on being securely held by the power of a sovereign God and knowing you are safe and secure inside the ark called Jesus you're not holding on to him for dear life, hoping to reach the end of your life and say, look, I'm still holding on to Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. I made it to the finish line. No, the Lord's holding on to you. Your salvation is kept in heaven. So with all that said, and we land the plane today, point number three, I need to deal with my doubt. If you doubt whether or not you're saved, you need to do one of two things. If you reflect back and say, you know, Marty, I know that I was sincere when I trusted Christ. I believed on Christ as my Savior. I just, for whatever reason, have some struggles. Sin in my life, just general doubt. I'm struggling at times, and I've gone through this journey. But I know deep down I really trusted Christ back whenever. If that's you, I want to challenge you this week to spend some time in 1 John. We read at the beginning, chapter 5, verse 13, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Number two, second group of people. If you look back and you say, I'm not sure about my faith because uh, the preacher said we were supposed to come forward. All my friends at Bible school raised their hand and I thought I was supposed to raise my hand. I said some kind of prayer I recited, but I just don't really think I'm saved. I want to encourage you today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're unsure about it. You're saying, Marty, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm back and forth all the time. Maybe I'm in it. Maybe I didn't. I don't even hardly remember it. I was just a little kid, and Mama kind of nudged me out in the aisle, and I remember nothing about it. And all my life, I've wondered, am I truly saved? Here's the deal. I'm not going to get into try to look through all the nuances of the story. We're not going to sit here and figure it all out and wrestle through it. Here's the bottom line. 
I would just choose today to give your heart and life to Christ once and for all and put that doubt in the past and move forward in victory. Maybe you were saved, maybe you weren't, but here's what I heard someone say one time. I'd rather be saved twice than lost once. Listen, I believe you can only be saved one time, but if you're looking back and you've lived for months, perhaps years, even decades, wondering whether or not you're saved, it's time to deal with that because it's destroying your faith, taking away your joy, interrupting your service. It's time for you, once and for all, to deal with that issue and move forward. So settle it and move on and stop living in doubt. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So bow our heads in this moment. I wonder, are you sure about your salvation? Have you truly experienced life change that comes in Jesus? Today, let me encourage you to deal with this issue, to stop doubting, and to settle once and for all that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. In a few moments, we're going to dismiss. I'm going to stay here at the front. Tom's going to be down here joining me. Goody's going to be out in the lobby at our guest table. We would love to speak with you and help you and talk through the struggle you've been going through. So please be certain that when you leave today, you have confidence that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is too important, too significant, and we need to discern today as God calling you to take steps forward and grab hold of that salvation that's already been given to you, or is God convicting your heart and drawing you to make a decision for Christ? Whatever it is, let's make a decision today. Let's put doubt behind us, and let's have confidence in our faith. Father, thank you for the confidence we can have in Christ, for the assurance you've given us in your word. Help us today to stand firm in our faith, to take hold of faith, and to never look back with doubt that plagues us and holds us back. Lord, there may always be times when questions come to mind. Our faith is challenged, but God, we want to hold tight to the security of salvation we have in Jesus Christ, knowing that more importantly, you're holding tight to us and nothing will ever snatch us out of your hand. So Father, help us to make decisions today. In Jesus' name, amen.